WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. Just in time for a fresh start for the year, the owners of the Orchards Mall in Benton Township have paid their property taxes. More from Ken Lundberg. The owners of the Orchards Mall have a reputation for being years behind with their property taxes. Just today, however, the owners have paid more than $350,000 to Berrien County to get current. The payment represents back taxes from 2020, 2021, and 2022. Berrien County Commissioner Shokwe Pitchford has been working with the mall's owner to redevelop the property. Pitchford says getting current on taxes was a required first step. As commissioner, as somebody that has taken this issue of the Orchards Mall kind of under my wing and something that I want to see done, we needed those taxes to be paid in full in the county, and they came through on their promise. Pitchford adds that next he expects to work with mall owners and Benton Township officials to negotiate a plan to redevelop the mall location. Mall owners want a mix of residential and commercial, but the township has been reluctant to rezone. Pitchford says today's action demonstrates the mall owner is serious about moving forward. If they didn't have plans to develop that property, they would have just paid the smallest amount possible and kept it from going into foreclosure. To pay the entirety of all the taxes up till current shows me a willingness on behalf of the ownership to get something done here. And I have gotten commitments from them even today after those taxes were paid, that they are all in and they're ready to move forward. Berrien County Treasurer Shelley White confirms the taxes on orchards are now current through 2022. The taxes for 23 are still outstanding, but mall owners have reportedly agreed to bring those current within the next month. Ken Lundberg, WSJM News. Now that the lead water lines in the city of Benton Harbor have all been replaced and the city's water is testing well below the federal action level for lead, the Berrien County Health Department has scaled back the eligibility for residents to receive free lead filters. Emerging threat supervisor Dawn Poindexter tells us the free filters are now only available to Benton Harbor households that have a Medicaid-enrolled child younger than 19 or a Medicaid-enrolled pregnant woman. Households that have already received a filter but do not meet the updated criteria will be allowed to keep their filters but will not be able to receive another filter or free cartridge replacements. Poindexter says residents who still want to use lead filters, even though the lead lines have been replaced, can buy them at stores like Lowe's. The Berrien County Health Department will have a table set up at its Benton Harbor office on Thursday, January 4th from 9 to 3 for residents who still qualify for free filters to come and pick one up. The city of Benton Harbor has transitioned out of its lead response program and into the state's get-ahead-of-lead strategy. We'll have a link to that at our website. A renovation project is underway at the Inn at Harbor Shores. The Inn opened in 2014 and since then it's established itself as one of the foremost venues in the region. Now management says it started giving the place a facelift in the spring with updated hallway carpet and walls as well as a large mural near the elevators. Phase 2 started in November with gutting the interior of each room and removing the furniture, vanities, and wardrobes. They plan to have two floors complete by April 1st and then start on the last two floors in November of next year for a full guest room renovation. Managers say the total refresh will enhance the inn's overall guest experience and cater to higher-end and leisure guests as well as business travelers and locals. For the inn's 10-year anniversary in May, they're planning a full lineup of events and concluding with the return of the KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship May 23rd through the 26th. A donation of $50,000 has been made to Fernwood Botanical Garden in Niles by the Lau Family Foundation. 
Fernwood director Carol Line tells us the Laos, John and Barbara, have been supporters for years with Barbara serving on the board. It was very interesting to hear his reflection on this property and how important it is to have a place like Fernwood in the community that he grew up in and that is still available today for youth, for school groups and for summer camps and then just the greater community. Fernwood Director of Development Chris Jabin says the funds from the Laos will be used to support programs throughout 2024, which will be Fernwood. Fernwood's 60th year. He says the couple recognize the importance of Fernwood Botanical Garden of the community. It's a very special piece of property that has an 800-foot drop from the road down to the St. Joe River Valley, and it's a beautiful preserve. We have an arboretum. We have a, a beautiful tall grass prairie, as well as the cultivated gardens. Jabin says programs to be supported by the donation will include the lecture series, summer camps, internships, and a June 2nd 60th anniversary party. He urges the entire community to learn more about Fertonwood Botanical Garden and be there when it holds the celebration in June. A new locomotive has been acquired by the Michigan Flywheelers Museum in South Haven. President Pat Ingalls tells us the Tom Thumb was built in the 1950s, although not much more is known. The Tom Thumb was used in a playground at a drive-in movie theater in South Dakota for years, then put into storage when the drive-in closed. Ingalls was able to pick up the gas-powered engine and bring it back to Michigan this month. He says the Flywheelers wanted it to complement the steam-powered House of David 902 engine, also acquired this year. This summer we got it running for the first time in 50 years, near as we can tell. And a steam engine takes about two hours to steam it up to get enough pressure to operate it. And then when you shut it down each day, it's about a two-hour shutdown. So if you want something that's fairly quick, you don't want steam. And so we were looking for just another engine. So having the gas-powered Tom Thumb will enable more use of the new Railroad at the Michigan Flywheelers Museum. Once the Tom Thumb is restored, it'll run on that railroad in addition to the 902. Ingle says they've completed about 2,000 feet of a planned 7,000 feet of track. Anyone who wants to help lay track should follow the Michigan Flywheelers Museum Facebook page to see when they're holding events. If you're looking for a good public New Year's Eve celebration this year in southwest Michigan, then South Haven has you covered. Events downtown on Sunday will start at noon with ice skating. That's also when the social district opens. A downtown scavenger hunt will run from 3 to 7 p.m. A new feature this year, a zip line, will open downtown at 5, and the New Year's Eve trolley starts running at 6. The countdown to New Year's fun starts at 8 p.m. with the DJ and light show, and then midnight brings the beach ball drop and fireworks. There will also be dancing and warming stations throughout the downtown area. Everyone's invited to South Haven for the party to ring in the new year. The Michigan Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission is weighing its next move now that a federal court has ordered it to redraw 13 legislative districts in the Detroit area. The commission met Thursday with some members calling for an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court and others wanting to move on. Commissioner Rebecca Chatella was in the latter camp. I believe we've spent over $5 million in legal fees at this point. A large chunk of that is defending this litigation. I think we've spent enough of the taxpayers' money. I'd rather just see us redraw maps. The federal court ordered the redrawing of the 13 districts because it said they were drawn on the basis of race. Commissioners went into a closed session on the advice of legal counsel, but when they came back into open session, some of them were gone. That left the commission without a quorum and unable to vote. Here's Commissioner Richard Weiss. I found that quite interesting since the state and the public is paying us to do this job, and they pretty much sabotaged this meeting on purpose. That's my opinion, of course. The body will next meet on January 11th. And Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel is taking aim at news this week of another major data breach involving a Michigan health care provider, Corwell Health. 
With news of a second incident this year in which the personal information of more than a million Corwell Health patients have been compromised, Nessel says immediate legislative actions is needed. We're very concerned about the number of breaches that have taken place, and we're very concerned about the lack of teeth uh, and really any legal authority that the Department of Attorney General has here in Michigan in order to hold companies accountable when they're not properly securing our data and when they're not informing patients or our department that this breach has even occurred so that we can assist people. This latest Corwell data breach affects only customers in southeast Michigan, not southwest Michigan, as we've previously reported. A company that Corwell does business with in the southeast corner of the state was hacked. Nestle says 34 states currently have legislation on the books, making it mandatory for companies to report such data breaches to the Department of Attorney General. She wants Michigan to become the 34th. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues. After weeks of relative calm, Russia is now once again ramping up its war in Ukraine, raining fire on schools, parks, and homes, killing at least 30 people. And the U.S. says what comes next may be even worse. More from ABC's Shannon Crawford. After a barrage of Russian strikes against Ukraine overnight, one of the largest air assaults of the war, the State Department is warning that the onslaught may still intensify in the days ahead. The U.S. Embassy in Kyiv issuing a security alert saying the entire country could face increased drone and missile attacks from Russia over the New Year holiday. Shannon Crawford, ABC News. The State Department. The United Nations says tens of thousands of Palestinians streamed into an already crowded town at the southernmost end of Gaza in recent days. They're fleeing Israel's bombardment of the center of the Strip, where hospital officials say dozens were killed on Friday. People arrived in Rafah in trucks, carts, and on foot. Those who haven't found space in the already overwhelmed shelters have built tents on the roadsides. Israel's widening campaign is now focused on urban areas in the central Gaza. The war has already killed more than 21,500 Palestinians and sparked a humanitarian crisis that's left a quarter of Gaza's population starving. Meanwhile, Egypt has put forward a new hostage and ceasefire proposal for Israel and Hamas. Here's ABC's Britt Clement in Tel Aviv. Israel's cabinet had been due to meet to discuss a deal with Hamas that would, would see them exchange hostages for prisoners. But you know this has now been cancelled by the country's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. Netanyahu met with families and he said that he doesn't have any details to offer them, but that there is ongoing communication. Now, Egypt says it has not got a reply from either side regarding a three-pronged deal that it has proposed. So publicly, really, there isn't much that they're reporting. The 2024 elections will be dominated by the presidential contest and the battle for control of Congress. But another series of races is shaping up to be just as consequential. A crucial battles over abortion, gerrymandering, voting rights, and other pivotal issues will take center stage in next year's elections for state Supreme Court seats. There will be 80 of them in 33 states, with the abortion debate shifted two states since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and the constitutional right to an abortion. The state Supreme Court races have emerged as some of the most hotly contested and costliest races in the country. In a bombshell ruling overnight, the Secretary of State in Maine joined Colorado in declaring former President Donald Trump ineligible for the Republican primary ballot. That's with around 30 similar challenges still remaining. ABC's Aaron Katursky says the clock is ticking on the Supreme Court to make a final decision on these kinds of cases before the primaries start next month. President Biden was very quick to criticize Haley's comments. He posted almost immediately on X saying the civil war is about slavery. And this was before Nikki Haley had a chance to clean up those comments and say, of course, it was about slavery. And it shows how she's really trying to walk that fine line, potentially appealing to more moderates. And the White House, the president and his campaign are 
were quick to say this isn't just Nikki Haley taking an extreme position. They went ahead and criticized the entire GOP field. We've heard the Biden campaign try to draw this contrast between the Republican candidates and President Biden and how they're continuously taking these extreme positions. And this was just an example, they said, of that once again. And Nikki Haley has been working to clarify her recent answer concerning what the American Civil War was about. She initially did not say the word slavery, later saying, of course, it was slavery. President Biden and others are going on the attack. More from ABC's Elizabeth Schulze. President Biden was very quick to criticize Haley's comments. He posted almost immediately on X saying the Civil War is about slavery. And this was before Nikki Haley had a chance to clean up those comments and say, of course, it was about slavery. And it shows how she's really trying to walk that fine line, potentially appealing to more moderates. And the White House, the president and his campaign were quick to say, this isn't just Nikki Haley taking an extreme position. They went ahead and criticized the entire GOP field. We've heard the Biden campaign try to draw this contrast between the Republican candidates and President Biden and how they're continuously taking these extreme positions. And this was just an example, they said, of that once again. 